You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced with Paxton and Justin. We are back. Uh, And when I say we, I I don't mean the show after a a week's hiatus. I mean we as in collectively both Paxton and Justin because (laughs) we've been listening for a while. Uh, Justin uh, has been preoccupied for the last few weeks, so we very graciously had the the delightful Andrew Weston Beard co-host in his place, but Justin is back. I don't need to speak for him. I don't need to to <laughs> tell you that on his behalf because he's here to do it for me. How are you, Justin? Oh, I'm doing okay. I was hoping you would just fill the hour talking about my backness without me like ever actually <laughs> having to say anything. So you know, like I'm present, but am I really? That's uh, you know, that's that's an age old question. <laughs> we uh, it's the very end of the show. Just have you chime in and be like, all right, bye everybody. That's the end. <laughs> Oh, that would that would have been a great bit. We should have done it. Um, it also <laughs> Every, would have been everyone would have loved that. I bet. <laughs> I I would have enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm okay. Yeah, it's been a it's been a nightmarishly busy last few weeks. Um, yeah, just a. I, I am teaching a class for the first time. Like not, uh, and by teaching, I mean you know, like I am the instructor of record. I plan the readings. I plan. I write and plan the assignments. I do all the lectures. I am everything alpha and omega of FMS eighty five C for the second summer session. Uh, it's a lot of work. Oh my. Oh man, it's so much work. Uh, I, I'm very tired and very grumpy all the time. And I was in North Carolina for a lot of that as well. And then I came back uh, to, uh, to Irvine very recently uh, after my plane flight. I did actually, I got tested for COVID and was, was negative as it turns out. Uh, I'll tell you about that COVID test too, because uh, man, it was weird. But uh, yeah, I'm, I am uh, tired and grumpy. And as the, the listeners can probably tell, a little manic uh like as a result of all of that maybe this is either going to be a combination for great or terrible radio and we are going to find out and roll the dice and i'm excited to see oh man <laughs> I, I think it'll be great i'm i'm fully confident i hope um <laughs> for, for our listeners sake i hope uh in my sake because i'm editing this week uh but uh yeah, I don't know. Should I talk about the COVID test experience? Is that a thing that you think people want to hear about? Or should we jump into the, the normal uh, format? Uh, lay it on me. I, I haven't gotten the test yet. Um, so I don't really know the ins and outs of it. Although I know, I know metal prods go in and out of you from what I've gathered. Or wooden so, prods. Some kind of prod. Uh, I was get prodded. Uh, yes, you do get prodded. It was a, it was a plastic prod uh, mm. for me anyway. Yeah, I... Um, yeah, so I signed up for this, like the city of Irvine drive-in testing. And the way that works is you drive to the Irvine Great Park, which is a, uh, a surprisingly populated uh, park in Irvine. Um, is it a surprise and, anymore, really? <laughs> it, it's, it's always a little surprising, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you drive out there, you stay in your car the whole time, and the way that the test works when you go to that is it's self-administered, uh, which, you know, if, as I'm sure people probably know, the way the, the COVID test works, or at least the, the one that I feel like is most common, is, yeah, you get a prod uh, stuck up your nose, and by up your nose, I mean really far up your nose, like scrape your brain up your nose, and there's something really kind of awful and... Some, 
so to, to set the scene, I guess, you know, like uh, the nurse comes up to uh, your car and the nurse is basically in like full like anti-radiation gear, like just fully decked out. You know, like you, you feel like you're you are dangerous when you go to this when you go to this thing. And, you know, yeah, like that's a soothing thing to be greeted by when you're getting. Tested. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like, oh, wow, it's uh, pretty cool that I'm like, you know, there's like a failed new like nuclear reactor somewhere in my car that I'm just <laughs> now finding out about. Um, but yeah, and then you get a. Uh, they like put a little like bat like baggy in like one of those little like extendo claw things they extend the they you know reach out you know uh they extend this baggy to you you take it and it is the prod and then you get instructed to put your head back and just you know stick this thing up your nose and like the nurse will tell you when you have like stuck it in far enough so i so i'm just like with this you know like you know, with this thing up my nose, just with this nurse, just kind of like praying that I don't just like impale, you know, like my cerebellum or whatever, how, what, whatever, like part of my brain, you know, as this nurse just like is, you know, outside my car, just like yelling so I can hear her, you know, like further, 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 <laughs> like uh, further, you pig. That's right. <laughs> and I'm just like slowly, and I, I'm dragging this out because I'm a coward. So I don't want to like, you know, like just stick it in. I'm just kind of like, you know, like, like, like millimeter by millimeter. Just going <laughs> like, I'm just like, uh, it's like, like that scene in like dead space or whatever, dead space two, where like there's <laughs> With that the awful needle. like needle above like Isaac's eye. It's just me going, Ugh. um, <laughs> anyway, and then you get it in and then you rotate it and like you, you know, you cry a little bit because it's just like the response from the body and it's actually totally fine. And I was just kind of like, that was unsettling, but you know, then I got my results after two days and I was negative and I was relieved that I did it and actually you should do it. Just, you know, know that it's, yeah, like, like it's kind of unpleasant, but the nice thing is, is you get a story about it. So yeah, I got that and then I got to tell it and you know, that and the peace of mind, I, I worth it. 100% worth it yeah that's that's a uh it almost feels like uh I, I almost feel like i would be just like after going through all that like trauma like i'd almost be like a little disappointed to come back with a negative diagnosis <laughs> it's like, oh, really what was the oh god i guess i gotta go lick some doorknobs i mean <laughs> i gotta get my money's worth my 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 for my free test um but uh yeah. Yeah. Well, um, kudos to you for doing that. Uh, how was how was traveling uh, through all this? Was that uh, I imagine a an unpleasant ordeal? Uh, yeah, mostly just stressful. Like, you know, uh, I flew from uh, SNA to RDU, so to North Carolina. So you know, going from one coast to the other, and yeah, it's mostly just the. Like I did not, I, I at no point except for the point where like the TSA uh, officer like makes you take your mask down to like check your uh, your photo ID. At no point did I take my mask off, like nowhere in the airport, nowhere in the airplane. And it's the kind of thing where like you're sitting in a plane really just like with not much to do aside from, you know, like watch the movies or in my case, like I worked on like both the plane ride out there and the plane ride back. Uh, turns out it's hard to work on a plane for me. Um, but yeah, like you're sitting around just kind of like looking at the people and like kind of like scanning and seeing like, you know, are people wearing their masks? Are they, you know, 
and then getting really mad whenever someone like takes a bite of like the, the food that they've like offered you um which you know they don't give you much and they give it to you in like baggies and stuff uh at least on like the delta flight like i flew delta which was expensive but delta has been like emptying the middle the middle seat yeah. uh, which is like makes for you know even if you're, you know, even though like you're still in really close proximity with a lot of people, it at least made for a more comfortable flight and offered a tiny bit of peace of mind, I guess. Um, but yeah, like it's just, you know, like I kept my mask on and the whole time I was like, I don't want to be in this thing. I mean, I've, I've heard that, uh, I've heard that planes have installed like better filters. So, um, that's good at least but yeah it's just kind of you know you're 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 sitting in an environment a very an environment in which you're in close proximity with a lot of people and you're aware of that the whole time and it's just very stressful and i wouldn't recommend it really i mean i i already hate flying and uh yeah that that uh that did not make me feel any make me feel any better about yeah Two two uh, life threatening conditions that come with flying now. It's uh, you have the the risk of crashing or the risk of uh, contracting the plague. So um, neither's great. Uh, neither's fun. Like it's and actually it's interesting because it's in a way a very in a way a very similar kind of fear that I have. Because like the reason that I'm scared of crashing is well like well a ton of media representations of crashes but also the like the fact that you're kind of like you're giving up your autonomy and yeah. basically putting yourself in you know in like the hands of air traffic controllers and a pilot and I, with- I should be clear i also have a like deep fear of flying like i share this i share this uh sentiment almost exactly it, yeah and, and it's just like so like you're you're giving up this autonomy and then like with covid like it's kind of the same thing like that's like the whole thing with covid is that you know it's revealed how we all kind of don't have autonomy that like, you know, you wear a mask for others, not for yourself, really like a mask, like prevents you from infecting other people more than it protects you. So in, in the same way, it's like, you know, you're looking for people who aren't wearing masks and like, you're aware that like what's really happening when they're not wearing a mask is more that they're putting you at risk. Uh, now, I mean, masks do help you as well, but it's like a very similar kind of like you, you yourself are not an island you yourself are not like the sole kind of like arbiter of your health and your your well-being and it's like the same kind of thing with like you know be a pilot or a passenger and like now it's just like the the kind of like trust you've put in like the pilot when you're flying now has been extended to everyone in the plane in, right. a, in a weird way yeah uh, there's something just so morose and terrifying about the fact that like there's it's it's one of the only accidents where it really feels like you have no agency whatsoever. Like I think Mm -hmm. about the fact that like, do you like, yes, statistics show that uh, you're far more likely to die in a car crash. People love to throw out that number. Anytime you voice your concern about flying Mm -hmm. planes. And it's like, all right, let's look at the statistics of how many people who have survived plane crashes in comparison to car crashes. Uh, That number, that number tightens a bit. Um, <laughs> and, and it's, it, it is also the fact that like, listen, you know, I, I don't think I'm like, uh, Dominic Toretto, but I've never, I've never found out. I've never gotten, uh, you know, in a, in a hairy situation on the 405. So like, I, I still like, I still would roll the dice on a, uh, on a, on a, a terrible collision 
than I would a, a, a plane crash. And this is not to suggest that either sounds like a remotely pleasant experience, and both uh, are very, very scary ideas. Um, but uh, I, I prefer to take my chances with a car than I do a plane. Granted, still, you know, when things were normal, still flew fairly often because I liked traveling and I liked, um, you know, li living a life that wasn't solely based in Los Angeles. But it came with the condition of uh, of just knowing that there was going to be a few to several hours of just uh, sheer unbridled nonstop terror. Um, and I am the fun, the most fun person to sit next to on a flight. I can tell you that, especially if you don't know me. Um, <laughs> I definitely put everyone else in my immediate aisle at ease by having my head on a swivel and tightly gripping my armrests from takeoff oh. to landing. I'm that guy. I'm the guy who anytime there's a moment of turbulence is checking the face of every single flight attendant to see if they look at all concerned. Um, checking the wing to make sure there's no smoke. Like uh, it's uh, checking the wing for a gremlin outside. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, no, but, uh, but uh, yeah, just, I, I, I'm, I'm not a fun flight buddy. I'll say that. <laughs> I'll say that. Anyway, I, <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm not that bad but like i do very much like rely on fantasy like i do my best when i'm on a plane to imagine that i'm actually on a train and whenever like whenever a flight lands i always basically do like this meditation thing where i just like i think of a happy memory because like my mentality every time is i want to be thinking about this moment when i die and then, you know, like, if I don't die, I'm like, all right, cool. And uh, <laughs> moving on. You, but just you in were, case. You were taking that to a place where I was like, oh, that's actually like a really, like, wholesome, nice coping mechanism. Oh, never mind. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, I, there's, a, there's the, the, the punchline to that thought, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, so, well, enough about um, horrible deadly viruses and plane crashes let's talk about video games uh oh yes let's uh so one piece of news that is uh going down which is uh, I, I was surprisingly underreported i feel like even in the gaming sphere which I, I thought was seemed to me like kind of a massive deal um is laszlo jones of rockstar games uh well now formerly of rockstar games uh has yeah has left the company um who if you're at all familiar with uh grand theft auto and red dead redemption um is both a key player in that in the gta franchise specifically uh wherein he plays himself as one of the uh djs on the many radio stations in the game but he has also worked as one of the head writers on the games particularly uh in the in the uh radio stations which regardless of what you think of the overall writing quality of grand theft auto not personally the biggest fan by and large even though i do don't get me wrong love those games i think they're 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 their scripts leave something to be desired the the radio i think is generally comedically where those games tend to shine brightest they still play things very broad they're still uh they they, they still rely on some kind of tropey and if you go back to the earlier games a fairly aged 
like aged like milk uh, comedy. <laughs> but when the radio stations hit, particularly in GTA Four, like like they they hit. And Laszlo Jones was largely the person uh, behind that. So his departure, it, it calls into question way more the future of the company and the franchise, uh, particularly given the fact that I believe it was, I want to say two years ago, um, Leslie, Leslie Benzies, uh, also known as quote unquote, the Benz, who is a producer who was also sort of known as one of like, he was kind of known as like the fixer at Rockstar Games, like the guy who would sort of rein in the Hauser brothers, the two lead uh, <laughs> developers, like kind of rein in their ideas and polish. He also departed the, the company about, I, I, I want to say two years ago. So now with both Laszlo Jones and the Benz, uh, I don't like that I just unironically called them the Benz, but there it is. <laughs> with them both, both out, and the last game being 2018's Red Dead Redemption 2, we really don't know what the future of either franchise looks like uh, with the absence of these two key players. So who knows? Maybe this isn't that big a deal. Maybe perfectly uh, uh, talented, competent people will take their places and those franchises will continue to thrive, if not improve. But it's tough to say. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, so the other thing about that is, uh, yeah, I just checked, uh, yeah, uh, Dan uh, Hauser, one of the, one of the uh, Hauser brothers did actually leave the, the company earlier this year, too. I missed that news entirely. Yeah, he uh, left in February, apparently, or he left in March, and it was announced in February. Like, um, so apparently, like, uh, the Laszlo story, evidently, uh, Laszlo left in April, but it didn't go public until basically, like, this week. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. And it's maybe, I don't know, like, I would say troubling is a word that I want to kind of land on. But also troubling is kind of a weird word to use because I'm not that invested in what Rockstar really does. I mean, I, I like Rockstar games, but uh, I finished Grand Theft Auto V. I feel like a lot of people who like Grand Theft Auto V didn't actually finish it. Mm -hmm. uh, I finished Red Dead 2 uh like pretty quickly you know like I, i've played a lot of rockstar games um yeah i don't know i mean the the thing that kind of comes to mind about that move and like the loss of uh someone like laszlo specifically is rockstar gonna keep making big single player stuff that's a that is a uh boy yeah you want to use the word troubling um that that's a troubling thought that i, I Who's to say? It's, I, I don't know. I mean, we've seen since 2013, Grand Theft Auto V continues to be so lucrative for them uh, based solely on its multiplayer. Uh, weird considering the fact that I don't know a single person who plays GTA Online. And then you look at the numbers that game does and you're like, wow, there's a lot of people that play GTA Online apparently. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I mean, and that's that is the sad thing is like i i'm someone who beat gta 5 a, a few times actually i played that game really? through i played that game How? through like three or four times i How? i it, i love the missions man it's it feels good it, it just feels good and that soundtrack smacks you're driving okay, the soundtrack's really good you're driving 
by uh by the sultan sea listening to flying lotus like that's like okay yeah okay sure that's Uh, actually i haven't actually played grand theft auto 5 since i moved to southern california which uh feels like like need for speed the like the need for speed game that was just i do just want to i'm sorry i do just want to interject real quick i don't know if it's picking up on the mic so if it's not ignore me there are some dogs outside my apartment that are being very loud and and yapping a lot so i apologize if that is picking up um no one is being tortured there are just uh (laughs) dogs that are deeply upset about something so oh yes well um yeah i'm I'm hearing it a little bit and uh you know i wasn't thinking it was anyone being tortured until you said something so (laughs) well uh well you you know uh ignore the uh ignore the medieval flail mounted to the wall behind me that is purely for decoration <laughs> and nothing else so don't question it anyway we were talking need for speed i think uh, j- just uh yeah just like as a brief aside like my my like get used to living in southern california game was 2014's need for speed which is a game that like definitely takes place in socal but is like less uh directly invested in talking about like la and like the uh the rural and the, the like the more rural areas i guess like outside of uh like the coastal areas but yeah um that, that that's just kind of like a little a little biographical information about me i played need for speed in 2017 um a lot of people play gta gta online apparently like undoubtedly it makes it probably makes like some kind of like fiscal sense for them to stop producing these massive uh single player things and i can see that being because like laszlo worked on like he worked on the two red dead games he worked on max Payne 3 apparently um rockstar's best game uh hot take oh i I love that i love max Payne 3 Fantastic game. Uh, you you won't hear any objection from me, but but best is um, that's a bold <laughs> statement. It's a discussion for a later time. But uh, continue. <laughs> I mean, we've we've been in the midst of this like move to make big like big kind of like blockbuster games. The, these sort of like these platforms for you know like like you know having them be like we've been talking about games as services i guess is like the more familiar uh terminology like we've been talking about that for a while you know i mean fortnite is that destiny has like wanted to be that for a while and it seems like it is that to a certain extent call of duty has become that with like yeah. wars like with warzone and all of that uh so we're seeing this like like that has been the move for big budget games for a long time and honestly when red dead 2 came out and it had like this hundred hour single player game it was kind of surprising that it even had that and yeah i don't know like we might be and and, like the, the fact that something like the playstation 5 announcement like press conference thing that happened like opened i think with a grand theft auto 5 ad Mm -hmm. like speaks to i mean that that sort of reads like a statement of intent for the company going forward and it's very very possible that 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 actually is the case given that it seems like a lot of the creative leads are leaving yeah well, I think it's um, I I think so. I think the first major red flag for me was was years ago. Actually, I mean, it was back in like 2014 or 15 when online was really taking off. A few years after GTA 5 came out, was how much DLC they were dropping for GTA for online. 
nothing nothing for the story whatsoever absolutely mm-hmm. no yeah. story dlc which was up until that point pretty unheard of considering that red dead redemption and gta 4 both had extensive comprehensive fantastic story dlc um, yeah. And then five had none of it. All the DLC went to went to online, and a lot of that DLC beyond the actual like mission based stuff was um, vehicles, weaponry, out- outfits, mm-hmm. etc. Things that easily could have been retrofitted into the actual main narrative of the game, I would think. But it, like w- weaponry, like wh- why not put some fun guns in the in the main story of the game? Uh, none of that. Like the the sto- the story mode remained completely untouched, while uh, the the online became like this clown world where new vehicles and weapons were added every single week. And for and I I tried my hand at online just a few times because I wanted to get my hands on those vehicles and weapons. But I was so miserable in the actual experience of playing GTA Online that I was like, it's, it's not worth it. Can't we just put this stuff in the main game? No? Okay. All right. Um, and that, for me, was like the first sign of trouble. Is like, wow, they are almost pretending the story mode doesn't exist. Yeah. And they're doing the same with Red Dead 2. Red Dead 2, even though the online is not particularly popular, it doesn't seem to be making them nearly as much as GTA 5 Online is anyway. Uh, they still continue to churn out content for Red Dead 2's online and uh, nothing for the story mode, which actually, unlike GTA 5, was quite popular and well-received and uh, uh, where the, the, the place that people hold the game in high regard. Yeah, um, yeah, like that's why, um, like what you're talking about is exactly why I said it was a surprise that Red Dead 2, like, like even had like that long story mode was because we were already seeing that move in Grand Theft Auto V, like away from story-based DLC to just supporting the online. And Grand Theft Auto V, I think, is in a lot of ways like a creative failure. I think Red Dead 2, I think what works about Red Dead 2 might honestly be accidental, but I think like it is a good game ultimately. But like really the thing that would be disappointing about if we are reading this like change in uh, uh, employee uh, makeup, I guess, correctly, it'd be disappointing to see like one of this like basically like a studio that has like a really that despite its massive size and massive success has like a really identifiable identity. Um, and like an identity that is based around producing these like big kind of like story-based games, like seeing that change, like seeing that go away would actually be, I think, a, a bad thing for the medium overall. I, I would agree. I, I will say just one last thought. We got to go to, we got to take a break here in a second. But uh, I had been for a couple of years now, very, very optimistic about the prospect of possibly a bully two or some spiritual successor to bully. Uh, I, I think there's so much potential in the idea of doing a, an open world, uh, an open, an open world story based game that is like both like absurd and, and slightly mean spirited in the vein of bully, but also like a teen coming of age story that Mm. takes place in like, there's so much potential you could do like setting it in the suburbs. um, So like a smaller size map, but a much more interactable map. Like there is, there's interesting room for experimentation with that franchise, which I really was thinking post Red Dead, they might do before they even did GTA six. 
Uh, and now seeing this news about Laszlo's departure, knowing about the Benz's departure, I said Benz again, my God, uh, but, uh, <laughs> his departure a few years ago. And now apparently Dan Hauser, which a story I completely missed, uh, all three of them being gone, three of some of the like creative powerhouses of that, fr- of that uh, uh, company makes me far less optimistic about the, fr- the, the future of Bully 2 makes me far less optimistic about the futures of Red Dead and GTA. I, I, who's to say, I don't know, we could be having a good jaunty laugh about this in a few years, seeing the, the, these franchises flourish. But right now, things look a little grim. Uh, regardless, all the best to Mr. Jones and his future. He did a lot of good work <laughs> over the last 20-some-odd years, uh, as well as Dan Hauser. But uh, uh, we, we'll, we'll see what the future of Rockstar holds. Um, that we will. And maybe Bully Online will be really good. May- maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Anyway, we're going <laughs> we're gonna to take a quick break, and we will be back momentarily. So stay tuned, everybody. Listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced. I'm Justin Heaver, and with me is my co host, Paxton Wright. Say hi, Paxton. Hi, Paxton. <laughs> I did the bit. Woo! Hey, we're on fire. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Band, play us out. <laughs> Band, play us out. Band. Forgot that forgot the band's not here with us right now. They usually oh. are. It's uh, the one the one show we do where we don't have the band with us and we actually need them to play. Well, this is embarrassing. Oh, what are you oh, gonna man. do? I mean, yeah, I can't think of a way to keep that bit going. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So, so Justin, this is generally the point of the show where we talk about some uh, some some content we've been consuming ravenously um because what else is there to do in quarantine but watch and play things uh that's just that's where we're at now um and you know we have to we have to turn our our consumption into more content for other people to consume so uh what's what what you what you've been consuming champion uh, uh, i i first off i need to just linger and how correct you are and how gross that makes me feel (laughs) um uh yeah so i okay uh when i was in north carolina i did not have access to my uh ps4 or uh xbox or whatever uh which turns out was good for my productivity um when i got back i immediately pre-ordered uh the tony hawk remake that's coming out in like 
three weeks so I could get access to the warehouse demo. Uh, the warehouse demo, uh, for people who uh, haven't played it, is just the, the remastered version of the warehouse from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1. There are no goals. There are no like score goals or like any collectibles or anything. It is just they sit you down and go skate for two minutes. Uh, Play around in the engine. Yeah, just like yeah. here's what the here's what the engine here's how this game will feel. It's kind of weird that they're tying the demo to the pre-order because like you play because it's a demo that's basically like here check and make sure it feels how you want it to feel, um, and which you think is something you would do before you commit to spending money on the game, but whatever because that's kind of like the big variable in a Tony Hawk game is does it feel good. Um, but anyway, uh, point being, there is nothing to do in this demo except for just see how the game feels. Uh, I've probably played that two-minute demo uh, like five hours, uh, like between like between working and like doing other like all, doing all the various things I actually have to do. I've been doing pretty much nothing but playing that Tony Hawk demo. It feels so good. That's so like, great to hear. And just considering the extreme fall from grace of that franchise for so long um i mean you have the first two games which are certified hood classics uh and (laughs) and then uh the third which is also i I never played it but i know a lot of people have a really strong affinity for the fourth which i think is also supposed to be quite good the underground franchise which i also hear very good things about and then everything post underground which is like uh, truly tony hawk's american wasteland um and, and so <laughs> hey, that, that was that was very clever honestly was, <laughs> i will say i will say i was i got really excited when i was midway through that sentence i was like "Ooh, <laughs> i know i know where the period's gonna go <laughs> um, uh, i'm 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 genuinely sorry that you like doing the meta commentary on you realizing that you had the joke ready to go got a more like boisterous <laughs> laugh than the actual joke you know i i think i think both deserve some attention and i think both got some <laughs> attention at the end of the day that's all that matters to me oh man um <laughs> yeah i was actually gonna ask you paxton like what your favorite tony hawk game is so i guess uh because i actually have sort of a weird relationship to the tony hawk games i'm a massive fan of them anyway i'll, I'll get into a second what's your favorite tony hawk game of the ones uh, you played uh two for sure i will say yeah. the 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 thing that is i also have a weird relationship with tony hawk is well not tony hawk i have no relationship with tony hawk um not one that he's aware of anyway uh but, <laughs> but uh of of that of that franchise um i for for up until i was like 12 i never played them like when mm-hmm. they were at the peak of their of their relevance um i watched my brother play them my brother played them incessantly uh and so i watched him play them all the time uh and and friends occasionally too Uh, but i never played them myself i never had any interest in them as a kid um i thought uh you know spyro was a purple dragon which was to me more exciting than uh than a 30 year old white guy on a skateboard um so i i gravitated towards the the colorful worlds of spyro and mario as i got a little older and just hearing that that like i got to the point where like people started developing nostalgia for those games like those games had just started to be sort of 
out of the cultural zeitgeist for long enough. Like we were well into the underground era, if not post underground when I started playing them. People seem to really still feel fondly about those games. And I was like, yeah, I used to watch them for hours at a time as a kid. And like those soundtracks have all been burned into my mind. I mean, let me see what this is about. And then there was, there was a good, there was a good year there where I just, I still had my brother's old copies of one and two and we still had our, our PlayStation was still fully functional. And I just played the the heck out of those games for, for a, a year straight. They, they like, I, I didn't realize what I had missed up until that point. And I was like, Oh my God, this is what everyone was playing. This is so good. How did I not mm-hmm. know? And then, uh, and then the, the PlayStation started gathering dust and that was like, so it's really, there's one year there where I like actually really played uh, an intense amount of Tony Hawk. And then that year has been just bookended by a strong connection and nostalgia for those games uh but uh, yeah only a small sliver of my life has actually been dedicated to playing those games but i i I love them dearly and as far as my my history with them goes i mean it's it's two all day every day yeah so i i have played um i've played two and three and that might actually be it honestly which uh I feel like kind of invalidates in a weird way the things that I'm about to say about the Tony Hawk franchise as a whole. But like, I have this kind of like, I have this like deep fascination, like a secondhand fascination with the overall series. And like, I adore two and three. I, um, and my relationship with them, like when I, as for when I played them, I played Tony Hawk two on PC when I, when it came out. So I was like, or maybe like a year after it came out. Cause I remember uh, getting it cheap at like a Best Buy. So I would, have been, I would have been about seven, probably. And I never actually got past the warehouse level when I first played it as a kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, like, I, it, it never really, um, that, that is a game that never really clicked for me. Or, like, I think I was, like, playing it, just enjoying messing around in the warehouse. And I, I never actually, I never progressed in it. But what I d- did, though, was, like, that was basically where I started listening to punk. Like me, seven years old in my, like in my dad's computer room playing for the 30 minutes that I was allowed to play computer games at a time when I was a child. And, and the thing is like, I got away from listening to punk after that. Like it was always in the context of like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 on PC. That was where I was introduced to like Bad Religion. Mm-hmm. and uh or and even like stuff that i that is like a little more embarrassing to say that i like but like do kind of still appreciate so things like power man 5000 but yeah like so like when i circled back to listening to like skate punk like you know ba- bands like bad religion uh when i was like 14 and 15 it was often uh this experience of hearing the music going like i know this where do i know it from and then tracing it back to this like you know early like related but still like really really kind of like distant and muddy memory of playing the tony hawk's gear too um and then i came back to the series basically after my parents found a copy of the playstation version of tony hawk's pro skater 2 at a library sale and they and they like texted me when they went to this library sale a few years back and they're like do you want this and i said yes please now get <laughs> gimme and then and then got really into the series after that and like really just like played two and three 
and then just kind of started like watching a ton of things about the series and about skateboarding and very much like a lot of my experience of the of like the Tony Hawk games is like through video essays about them and like watching uh, the, the, the the game website Giant Bomb does a series where they stream like the, the, the pro skater games like in full and uh and like also like other related kind of like uh bmx games and like inline skating games like stuff that was like coming out at around the same time as tony as like the early tony hawk games the, the, like tony hawk's pro skater 2 like is this kind of like weird kernel of like who i am current like who i am presently that just like was like it was like a, a stone that was placed very early in my life that wasn't relevant until much later like you know over a decade later and that's just kind of a weird thing to think about yeah, I'm also a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 uh, man. I feel like there is a kind of divide between people who like 2 and people who like 3. Yeah. And there's, and there's something about the, like, 3 added the revert. 3, you know, if you ask a lot of people, like, completed the trick system, which is, like, the big thing about uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, like, the series, is that, you know, you it has this amazing kind of, like, movement and trick system that just feels amazing in your hands. It's what kept me, it's what's kept me playing this demo for you know, like hours beyond you would think possible. But two just like has this like really, when I, I think the soundtrack is better. It, it benefits from being a late nineties game rather than an early aughts game. Like there's like a two year difference between these two things and it makes a difference in terms mm -hmm. of what the music sounds like. You also see like the early kind of like stages of jackassification that happened to the franchise, like a thing that kind of definitely contributes to its decline is the sort of like the way in which like skater culture kind of uh gets like folded into uh being a like, hooligan like less about, yeah yeah and well, that's um, why, like i mean the underground games like like have like they have i, I want to say steve-o bam margera i think they have phil margera in them like which is great but but even even so it yeah that that is definitely I, I I see what you mean. The the focus from the actual like appreciation for the I mean for for the for the art of the sport like kind of gets a little muddied and a, and a little lost. And the the image itself um uh, it it, lo it loses track of itself. Yeah, and like and like Bam Margera is in three, and there's something about and like a thing that I've okay I watched those like I watched the archives of the giant bomb streams of Tony of the Tony Hawk games a lot like I like I go back to that a lot because there's something very satisfying about watching those games being played and so I, I have this like weird kind of overexposure to these games uh that I've gotten like secondhand through the, these like particular streamers and a thing that I've noticed about three that isn't there in two is that I feel like in three there suddenly you're suddenly in like a lot more public places and there are people who are like responding to your presence a lot more than there is in two. Like in hmm. two, there are like people in cars who can run you over. And there's a kind of um and, and there's a sort of like really one-way antagonism uh between like the player and the NPCs in two, where they're in cars, they're going to hit you with their cars and that's mean and like they shouldn't do that. And in three, it's like, yeah, like, it's a little more of there are people who are out in this space just kind of minding their own business and you're, you know, you're, but you're in this airport being a hooligan grinding on stuff and running into them and all that. Right. Uh, 
and like I don't skate because I because the thing about skateboarding that I my impression of it anyway is that to get good at it you have to be willing to have a lot of terrible things happen to your body mm-hmm. that's what kept, um, that's what kept me from it <laughs> Yeah, I have I have a te- I have terrible balance, and uh, I'm also a very fragile boy. Uh, I'm I, I, I'm an academic after all. We are we are the <laughs> fragilest uh, of people. But nonetheless, like I've finally started like really getting into like I've gotten into like watching videos about skateboarding itself, and there's this really amazing uh, like 20 minute like video. Uh, that's like Tony that was this uh, video of Tony Hawk the video's title was Tony Hawk ranks like the complexity of tricks or whatever what it actually was like you know under the guise of this being this like ranking of like you know like the least complex to the most complex trick is it was basically Tony Hawk giving you this like history of the development of like vert skating and like like for the actual sport itself or or uh, within the game you mean uh, like with like the sport itself, it was him basically demonstrating this is how you do an ollie, this is how you do a kickflip, this is how you do all of this, and like you get a lot of like really good slow mo footage of these like very minute like motions that like the that his feet are doing and how the board is moving, and he like he tells this like historical narrative of of basically people building on like building on these different tricks and kind of like finding new ways to manipulate the board and like building on ideas and like how these skaters are, you know, probably like, you know, without conceiving of it in this way, like building, building on concepts. And the other thing that's really fascinating is like, he'll, you know, you'll hear, like, he'll say that like, anyway, yeah, then like doing a 360 spin is less complex than doing a 540 spin. Oh, by the way, it, there's like three years between someone doing a 540 and someone doing a 360 on like a vert ramp or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. like where there are like actual like literal years between uh, like between people pulling off like certain kinds of tricks or at least pulling them off like, you know, and having them be recorded, I suppose. And you get this and yeah, like you really do just get the sense of like the time that goes into like people. Yeah, it's just like people like refining their craft and getting good enough at what they do to pull off progressively more impressive things. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, I'm getting off track from like the demo a little bit here uh, because like really Tony, like, the Tony Hawk games are not a terribly accurate you know, representation of what it's like to skate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like not at all. Like they're very arcadey. They're very fast. They're all about you know, like basically doing absolutely superhuman things. Like even when it was a more, uh, e- even when the series was like slightly less arcadey, it was always that. But like nonetheless, like there there is a there's something about playing the Tony Hawk games and this kind of like superhuman vision it gives you of skating that like in a way has like positioned me to appreciate skateboarding as an art form always at a distance because i recognize it's something i'm never going to do and there's a certain um and there's a certain kind of like wonderful naivete in that Mm -hmm. where like i'm just watching all these people who are incredibly good at this one thing knowing that i'm never going to be able to do what they do (laughs) but i can just kind of like look at it and go wow what a neat thing and like i feel like there's um 
it's nice to be detached from skateboarding and anyway this, this is now like turning into this like rant about me and my relationship to skateboarding or my lack of a relationship to skateboarding but anyway that's that is what that is what like tony hawk like the series has done to me and the demo is putting me there and it's making me think about that and that bodes very very well for what that game ends up being yeah, I, I think that is, I mean, I think you've really kind of hit the nail on the head with my perspective a lot on, on skating too, is because I mean, I, I grew up, you grew up in North Carolina. I mean, I, I, I grew up in the, um, in the South Bay, like in a region where it is so like such a concentrated, huge part of the culture here. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I mean, so much so that I think um, I want to say it's Redondo Union High School is like, is, uh, which is like the my old high school's like main rival um mm. uh is like modeled completely and i think it's i think it's pro skater too um whichever one is the like the miami college or whatever it's like the miami university stage i think it's one or, or it's one or two um is it well there's like school one and school two i was always under the impression that those are both uh high schools but i could very well be wrong there's one it might be high school but there's one that says it's set in miami um, okay that which, i think i think that's i think that's two yeah and that is um that is is like i believe as if i recall correctly it is based on redondo union high school like mm-hmm. it was a big part of the culture around here and it was like i knew a lot of people who were really invested in the skating scene my brother sort of was a bit too i mean he was also a bit peripheral he he could skateboard though he owned a skateboard and a longboard like he was he was in the scene more than I was um but it was always one that I like I, I something about the actual the technique of it and the aesthetics of it um managed to be more and more significant to me as I got older um mm-hmm. and, and that was something that like I think as when it's so, so part of the norm and it's like I mean it, it's still like a somewhat countercultural thing but like when i was a kid it was still like it was a much more it was a much more dominant part of the culture than it is now obviously and the farther we stray away from that being a dominant part of the culture the more you kind of realize how influential so much of it was on your perspective and your your uh sense of aesthetics and so so many things like i said i mean that soundtrack i didn't even play those games till i was like 12 or 13 and yet that soundtrack like stuck with me and like bands like anthrax and suicidal tendencies like those like stuck with me as i got older um in large part due to those games and due to you know being on sort of the outskirts of that culture um and now it's like i look back on it like so far like 20 years out and and i like really see how much of myself was kind of shaped for an admiration an outsider's admiration of the of the art form of the culture uh and, and i'm the same deal I, I i never got on a skateboard i tr- actually like maybe five years ago tried my hand at longboarding i decided i wanted to get into it i decided i wanted to see <laughs> if i could do it and then i fell over like seven times in a night and i was like no this isn't for me and then i <laughs> and then i threw in the towel forever yeah I, I have a pretty i have a similar experience with a longboard where basically someone lent me a longboard for uh, a weekend and i the first time i tried i got on it i uh, fell over and sprained my wrist uh, like, <laughs> And then kept the longboard and like, and basically like slowly rolled down some very, very uh, light inclines 
over the weekend but didn't get back into it because i was just like this uh um you know before we started recording we were talking about the ways that the body deteriorates in uh, your late 20s and let me tell you uh spraining something uh that takes a that takes a while to go away Oof. uh I, last time i sprained something was my wrist when i was like eight and that was uh that was a four that was a four day endeavor and i'm uh, very scared to know how many days are added to that tally now uh, at 24 uh, it'll be a, a few weeks um that would have been i don't even remember i guess i would have been 25 i think two two years the movement of time is very alarming these days i gotta say uh which which i guess it, like in a weird way is kind of well we're talking about the movement of time to a certain extent you know like this kind of relationship to this like relationship or non-relationship to skater culture and to like tony hawk um that we have uh so actually as uh which makes me think of the other thing about that one that tony hawk video that i was uh, talking about the historical one is the thing that's really strange to me about listening to tony hawk speak is that maybe it's just like the uh his career but he just like always sounds like a guy in his like 20s like i listen to him speak and like he he looks that like he looks old you know like he looks his age um like he i think he's like a 51 or 52 now but he he sounds like he's in his late 20s mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just uh like he still has the cadence of just you know a happy skater guy and it's to the point it doesn't feel like a, a like a, a, a a thing of pretense it doesn't feel like a facade it feels very genuinely him and still like weirdly like oh good for you tony well yeah yeah um so yeah uh tony hawk it's good uh yeah the demo is really good i i'm actually like the one kind of like mechanical thing that i've noticed is well one it's harder to do tricks in the air and the other thing is that i disagree with people that like the revert finish the trick system because I never actually played any of the Tony Hawk games with the sticker slap with the thing where you can like bounce off a wall. Right. Uh, that actually really, that really changes things. Like I'm just like grinding, like jumping at a wall, bouncing off of it. And like, it's keeping combos going a lot longer than they'd be if I was doing like the normal, like revert to manual thing. Hmm. So like that, and I think that's the thing that happens in like four uh so there is a so like i've listened to just so many people talk about like the manual and the revert and i think the uh yeah the wall plant or the sticker slap or whatever uh it's called uh underrated and and just as crucial there you go that's my thought on the mechanics of the tony hawk one and two demo well there it is uh real quick do you know when the at least when the general release window for that game is supposed to be it's, it's a september september 4th is when it yeah. comes out i may have to make that pre-order man i am uh i, I i'm keen on trying out that demo i i think i might have to i mean i think i might have to just hold my nose and take the plunge i i know it's it's a purchase i'm not gonna regret i i don't know what my apprehension is yeah i mean it's the like the thing that kind of got me that got me to be okay with pre-ordering it is it's vicarious visions is doing it they uh that's the company that made the really good tony hawk to gba game like they know how to translate a tony hawk game into a new platform like yeah. that's you know like and they they ported destiny to like they're they're a good development studio so well, yeah you should try it 
That's encouraging. All right. Uh, well, then, I guess that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we will talk to you all again real soon in mm, approximately one week from now. Uh, so, well, not really approximately, like exactly one week from now. Uh, so until then, stay sharp, stay frosty, stay healthy. Most importantly, stay healthy. But being sharp and frosty, or yeah, those will those will those will get you a long way. Um, beyond that, take care, everybody. Yep. Bye, everyone. <laughs>